You know, I was uh, usually I got some zany thing to start with, but but I haven't done the math yet. I've I've seen these headlines about like uh, like Snap. That's the thing the kids use, the millenniums, right? Am, am I right about that? Yep. Snapchat? Yeah. Okay. Chatting and snapping. You know, I've tried. I've tried. I've tried to use Snapchat, and I just I just don't get it. I just I'm, I feel like mm. as 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 uh, listeners know from uh, several episodes ago, like I like publishing things. And, uh, you know, publishing is by necessity a stateful process. And I feel like, I feel like this Snapchat thing, I don't know what's going on. I don't understand. It's very confusing. We don't need to get into that. But I think, I think, I think what was interesting is, is that there, it looks like over three years, they're going to be spending like billions of dollars on AWS and Google Cloud, which is, Mm, I think just Google. Well, I, there, there was a follow-on yeah. headline that uh, let's see how much is it on AWS? They'll spend. I think it's a hundred oh, million. They'll, yeah, they'll so spend a hundred million. A one billion through twenty twenty one. Now I didn't stop to do the math, but uh, basically they're going to spend two billion over the next five years on Google. Which is that? Is that? Is that four hundred million a year? And then yeah, uh, four hundred million. Yeah. And then a million on AWS through twenty twenty one. So. A million, a million, or a billion? A billion. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. It's not. It's not a. It's not a Doctor Evil cloud. Uh, But. (laughs) (laughs) But but it does. I mean, there's there's. I I haven't actually read the S one. I'm sure there's a lot of other interesting things in there. But like just that that sheer scale of spending to again support this weird ephemeral video thing is is really interesting i don't know maybe is that is that like bandwidth they're spending on like what what could they be spending all that money on well they've got they in the in their s1 they said they had uh an average of 158 million daily users mm. um ending in last year uh so that's it's pretty good i mean i think that's uh you know better numbers than probably than twitter um for daily users uh you know, it, it's not exactly Facebook, but you know, as they bring more and more of the the social stuff in, you know, they're they're fighting. You know, they're they're on a collision course with Facebook. Uh, as you read stuff about like Facebook's Instagram features yeah. that are trying to keep up on on parity with Snap and, um, but yeah, they're they're all in on Google Cloud. Uh, whenever you know, whenever Google needs to to roll out a you know a big customer, it's almost always Snap. And uh, when uh, I think somewhere somewhere else I read that uh, Snapchat is about ten percent of Google Cloud's um, usage. Wow! So uh, or or maybe their billing. So I guess that puts them you know puts Google around uh, you know four or five billion a year right now, uh-huh. um, which is about in line with you know, what we've seen other estimates. Um, you know, but Google runs all their their own stuff on their cloud. Well, now, 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 Matt Ray, when and you're flitting about, yes. I was saying how just before this, if you go to Cote.show, you can probably get this episode. I just recorded a uh, a little interview with with one of your old cloud boys, JJ, and uh, you mm-hmm. know, so so you were flitting around. You still do this, like looking at clouds. Like, what's kind of like your sense for how much, let's say, a Fortune 500 company like is spending on public cloud? Like, what is because I don't really even. I don't really even know this for like at pivotal people because we're not really operate at that level. But like, I have a feeling that maybe you encounter infrastructure more. Like, what's your sense for like, is this a crazy amount or if I'm like Walmart or GE, is this like, yeah, whatever? I mean, I mean, like, what? Four hundred million is a lot. 
yeah, I mean, that, that that's a lot. That 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 is a lot. You I know, would say, we, wouldn't you say, Matt Ray, like them and Netflix have to be like, I don't know, one, two, maybe like a top five of people spending yeah, definitely, on. Definitely. I mean, there's there's not going to be more than a handful of companies bigger than them that maybe we don't know about. Um, you know, off the top of my head, I would guess that Intuit is probably pretty huge. They mm-hmm. they run that's a good all thing. the quick Quicken and TurboTax and stuff are on AWS. Talk about bursting! Um, they got a burst. Yeah, talk about you know very seasonal traffic. Um, yeah. You know, I'm trying to think who else would be. I think there's I mean, probably a couple large financial institutions that don't talk about it. That I mean, I've I've been around. Some, yeah. They're doing pretty big cloud projects. Yeah, and but of course, four hundred million is is a lot, a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm always impressed when I run into somebody who, you know, their AWS bills, you know, 150k a month or something like that, and this is an, you know, order or two magnitude more. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's all in, and that's got to be hard, hard, hard to go anywhere else. I know, I know, Snapchat uses a lot of uh, App Engine, um, which is, uh, you know, that's where Google actually got their start in the in their cloud services is, you know, as a pass with App Engine. So, you know, that's also they've got to be the biggest App Engine user around as well. So, so you know, so oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, like, I think the thing that's super interesting about Snap is this is the the use case that is always talked about in the press that, you know, does does and does not exist sometimes is. Well, what happens if you know your cloud provider goes down? So that's why I think this S one is super interesting. Is that they they have I think mostly gone Google Cloud at the four hundred million, but they are clearly hedging their bets, or you know if they will have a hundred million dollar backup in AWS. And my question is like, what do what are they actually using? Like how much of that? I guess say it this way: how many of the services are they using if they really needed to switch over quickly? Um, like, is it just infrastructure as a service, or are they actually using a lot of these services, and they can somehow switch between them if they have to? Oh, I bet I bet they're pretty locked in. I mean, first of all, like I said, they're using App Engine, which you know that's right. there's an open source implementation of it, mm-hmm. um, and I know that uh, in China, for example, I think Google doesn't have a presence, so Snap uses the open source implementation there, hmm. um, but Object storage is what they got to be using a ton of, right? Uh, are are they doing that through Google? Is that what they're are they using S three for that? And that's their Amazon bill, you know, because they're they're storing photos, you know. So yeah. that's that's an object that's got to be that's got to be sticky and hard to uh, hard to move around um, that much data. Well, well, that that was that was kind of the uh, uh, the meandering thought exercise I had. I mean, two parts, kind of like what what you guys were just talking about is. Is I wonder like if that division is I mean it's probably all of this is like failover so to speak or geographic reach or they're actually using different services that each of them provides each of the different clouds provides or whatever right and I don't know there's probably going to be some some sort of like O'Reilly glue craft code conference about like the snap infrastructure that probably already exists that I I need to to look up. Uh, <laughs> And, and and so we need so to there, do better research for the show. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. I got to got to go. Got to go look that up. But the other thing I was thinking is like, um, you know, I mean, not uh, as much as I make may make fun of myself. It, while I don't use it, I I think I have an understanding of basically what they do. I mean, they have an application where you do a video on your phone and you share it with a select group of friends. And then at the moment, they have one that's more like persistent, like 
basically like video ads that you can do. And, you know, Ben Thompson's all on one of his usual like uh, I wouldn't it's sort of let's call it maybe like a gray swan. It's not like a mind boggling thing that might happen, but it is like, well, what if they become the new TV? Great. I mean, you know, that's not totally ape shit. So it's basically video. But that makes me think that like, so what are the basic functions they have? Well, Brandon's old favorite, you know, authentication and authorization. You got to have that, but that's not going to make blow 400 million in a year. And then, and then you have uh sort of notification that your friends are all around and basic activity stream stuff. And then, but then, I, I mean, I'm guessing the biggest thing they have is probably like video rendering and encoding. Like that's, that's a massive workload across all those people. And then the bandwidth to both ingest and then spit back out that video. And like, I, I don't really know the cost for encoding stuff and network bandwidth, but I can start to sort of like sloppily add up in my head that like, oh, right. It's the same reason that like Netflix probably has a huge bill is like they deal with video, which is this huge data yeah, chunk, right. like which is to but summarize you know what, it, on it's the like, social networks. I was going to say to summarize, it, it's not processing, processing like raw application isn't taking it up. It's sort of like this big chunk of da- data that you move around and have to do some, something to. Well, I don't know, Kote, you know, we, I, I got to dig it up. But back in the day when Twitter was having all those problems, like somebody wrote an article, maybe one of the people at Twitter's, it was like they termed something like the Justin Bieber problem. And it was sort of like when you get um, like one person has something like 50, like, a, and I think at that time it was like a million. But now like if someone has like 50 million followers, right? Oh, uh, yeah. And then I they post an this. image. And then and they talked about it like, you know, got into like kind of very wonky computer science. But it was like a depth search kind of issue. Like somehow you have to figure out how to like update all 50 million people right. relatively quickly. And that that figuring that out, like walking the tree, figuring it out, and then you know rendering it to the right in this case timelines was was actually a pretty complicated problem. So no, if you take yeah, that, that and you that's say, good, that's good. you take that part and you say, well, now they're not just rendering like 140 characters of text; they're rendering. In some cases, an actual like what they call story, right? That short video that's been like kind of like produced or whatever that you can make a little video, and it's like that. I bet you that is a non-trivial compute technical problem, and I, bet, I don't know. That'd be my guess. No, I, th- I think I think you're on to something, and then and then back to the old the old thing, like you know, if you're not paying for it, you are the product. I mean, I I don't know anything about like the advertising on social networks and stuff, but like maybe you can just outsource all of that. But I would imagine, as for the same reasons you're just saying, that doing the analysis to find the two people you want to put an ad in front of. I mean, obviously not two, but doing whatever. Maybe there's some machine learning, but doing whatever the the, <laughs> the analysis and data crunching is to find out who to put ads in front of. Let alone doing all the demographics of a database so you could present to your advertisers what kind of eyeballs you have to like blast your stuff into. Yeah. Like that's probably a lot of processing that constantly has to be updated. Like I bet that kind of stuff just runs nonstop as people add more data and, into it. And, and as you know. Google rolls out all these different AI as a service things like, you know, photo recognition and video transcription. They've got to be consuming that too, right? You know, new features come along. You want to say, oh, who's in this photo? You know, I see, you know, I see it's a selfie with, you know, Lady Gaga or whatever, and then goes nuts. Um, So, yeah, I, I don't think, you know. I think they're stuck. (laughs) You know, they've, they've, they've made their, their choice and, you know, leaving 
um, leaving your cloud once you are, you know, inextricably tied to it, uh, you know, that's not going to happen. So, yeah. Um, no, and, 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 and there have been rumors that, that Google would, would purchase Snap just because, you know, they always roll them out as, you know, hey, this is, this is our great customer. They're, they fit into that social media story that Google can't seem to get right. Um, I don't know. Well, well to, to that note, let's do a, uh, you know, I, I, as I'll recommend at the end, I heard this great interview of uh, Kara Swisher, and, and I found out some tragic things about, about McLaughlin and how he was kind of a bastard. But, like, that aside, let's do a quick McLaughlin lightning round. Google, what the fuck's up with them in social? Matt Ray. <laughs> um, I have yet to install any of Google. I, I had Google... Uh, Plus, on my old phone, it's not on my new phone. They keep asking me to sign up for Hello or Allo or Duo. I don't know anymore. Um, I've given up on Google Social. Brandon, (laughs) will Google ever figure out how to compete with Facebook, or are they forever regulated to search? Uh, I can't remember how to do it, but I would say, uh, uh, you know, McLaughlin or Cote, Google is going to buy Twitter. That's what's going to happen. Okay, so that's <laughs> you just got to wait. That's the thing. So that's going to be their answer. I mean, again, it's going it's going on sale. Twitter just missed earnings again. I've been following this podcast. You know, we've been I've been predicting this for almost like two years. So you know, I'm never going to stop predicting it. But that's going to be their solution. <laughs> um, they already bought the. Uh, we talked about this on last one. They bought some technology infrastructure, which name I forgot. But logical uh, thing for them. Fabric. Thank you. Fabrics already in house. Twitter is a great Google product. It's sort of wonky, hard to use, but like a lot, a lot of technical people are into it. So it would be a great thing inside Google, and they could just boom sell all those AdWords right on Twitter. So that's going to be the end solution for Google. Well, clearly, Google will be the only trusted source for email in the future, taking over everyone's email, and that will be what they're known for. In addition to the card catalog, bye bye. <laughs> all right, I, I couldn't come up with anything good. I was thinking about robot dogs, and maybe afterwards we'll go watch Matt Ray's favorite videos of robots trying to open doors. They 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 sold off Boston Dynamics. Uh, I mean, so just, they sold off the robotics yeah, now. Done. Just done, really, yeah. really, done. what that company? Uh, so so much potential just like just like pissed into the wind of like robots and stuff like like how do like how do you take a company like nest like you go to home depot and like it's there and like you can you can plan it out in in your like your post m&a integration thing you're like we're buying a retail channel we have people who understand devices like we got a whole business here and uh we but we also have the culture that will allow us to retain them because we're like as the register would say the chocolate factory and we've got like good strong earnings so we always got cash and like we could grow this out into like a legit IoT thing and then the crazy like Alexa comes in and like the you know like goofy Amazon has like the best option and like interface for consumers it's just so weird like i don't know what, you know what uh, the problem was <clears throat> people oh. <laughs> people people's what screwed up the nest uh uh, and then they bought the the camera company, and those two teams didn't get along, yeah. and it all fell apart. Yeah, drop I mean, cam, they, right? Drop cam, drop cam the one. yeah, yeah. Oh, and drop camera. People, people like, drop, always screwing things up. I think drop camera is a good example of like if you just have the price, it probably would be like awesome. Like it's it's a. Uh, I don't know. I mean, their search and their their email is so nice, and I'm coming around to like their their document and spreadsheet stuff, but like. They do so well in some of their products, and then they just uh, – Well, here's two anecdotal things I heard about uh, Amazon and clouds. People – 
I saw this week. We were just chatting. And I think two analogies that people told me. It's like one guy used to work at Google and now works at Amazon. And he said that at Google, because everything is just bits, that like all the APIs, all the technology, super clean. Everything's in its place. Everything is sort of well documented. It's clearly how it works. Because again, it's just Gmail, search, everything is bits. And they said at Amazon, it's sort of just chaos, right? Because Amazon sort of deals with, and his analogy was like, because they deal with so many physical goods and there's just a limit to like how optimized and how much you can really know. Like when there's a container sitting outside a warehouse, like you just don't know what's in the container. So there's just always this level of like, you know, yeah. data is not right or hasn't been checked in. And I thought that was a really good analogy to just kind of, and then, and then this other guy that is in the midst of doing one of these cloud projects, he was moving to AWS. And this is the first time I had heard this. And he was like, man, I really wish I could move to Google Cloud. And he was kind of just, again, going over, he thought the, the APIs and the cloud technology at Google was just cleaner, whereas AWS, mm-hmm. as we all know, is like kind of this big, sprawling mess, but it also has lots of power, right, if you know what the hell you're doing. And I, I thought it was like just, I don't know, I thought that kind of was insightful around right. just like where they are as companies. And then, um, but then I think to your final point, to kind of come back, we'll do a little Ben Thompson on you here, Cote, would be, you know, you can only be like really good at one thing. When Google gets physical products, whether it be phones, cameras, or device, or like Nest, it, it gets confused, Right? It, like, it doesn't work well, it doesn't fit into their management infrastructures, they have to yeah. retailers. It's like all the things they're not really good at. And then, yeah. of course, there's chaos and infighting, whereas you put that at Amazon, maybe that business does pretty well. The flip side is you know, Amazon doesn't come out with this clean technology that's like super easy or like you yeah. know, that developers like. They have their own, their own issues. I mean, I guess, I guess yeah, it's I mean, kind you, of you, like, like asking a vegan to cook you a rare tomahawk steak. It's just like there's a big culture <laughs> clash there. But but so so Matt Ray, let me I, I didn't get around to asking this to JJ because he distracted me with some Eagle Scout talk. Uh, but like so so every, everyone says the Google Cloud is like awesome. Like is is that true? Like what and and then what is what I mean Brandon went a little bit over it. Like it's kind of like the desert. It's clean. But like what uh yeah. like what what is its awesome? What makes it awesome? What is awesomeness? Um. So so you know this goes back to what just saying um you know google is uh well documented well defined tools work as you would expect you know uh everything is is very developer friendly and you know there's usually one right way to do things and everything is just kind of laid out and they iterate for better faster faster cheaper you know whatever um and, and so if you're if you're starting from scratch and you don't have any you know technical debt or you know you you're making a greenfields cloud choice, Google's nice, right? Because those reasons. Um, and then if you look at at Amazon, it's like, well, they have you know seventy top level projects, ten of which do the same thing, right? And there's all sorts of duplication, and you kind of see that uh, you know internecing combat from within uh, you know there's lots of teams at amazon that are fighting with each other it's messy they're doing you know the same features and different products how do you know where to start um but and and you know if you've got some messy cloud project where you need to enter integrate you know some real data centers and active directory into you know dedicated instances like amazon will do whatever dirty nasty thing you want um and you know they just they take 
everything that comes. Mm. Um, and so they're very different approaches. And Amazon is the very, well, this is the real world. You know, the answers are not always easy. We're going to solve for as many possible use cases and take you know, every workload. And Google's, Google's more like, you know, hey, this is how cloud should be done. Do it our way and, you know, you'll be happy. So you've got purity versus, you know, pragmatism and it shows up in, in everything they do. And, you know, I think when it comes to the sales side, you know, Amazon sales can go in and solve for just about any use case. And Google's still, you know, got the reputation for, you know, the beanies and the, you know, if you build it, they will come kind of, kind of viewpoint. Yeah. No, that's, that's interesting. I think, I think that's a good take. It's, it's like this, uh, yeah, I mean, I love I love using this word, so I use it too much. But it's just that product goofiness that like uh, they seem to have. Otherwise, everything's awesome. But uh, but but I think, <laughs> I, th- I think I think I think maybe and by product I mean like marketing mostly and maybe management. But like it does it does seem like maybe this is actually like we're kind of seeing intended or not like the the benefits of like going the whole alphabet thing, right? That if you divide the company up into divisions, maybe it gives them the freedom to. Uh, to to put it in a favorable way, to you know, one one person's garbage is another person's like you know hot meal, and which is to say, the way that you're successful at one part of the business may not work out in the other part, and may actually damage it. So maybe you can uh, separate those things out pretty well. Which which that that would be a uh, that would be a, a deft thing to be able to do. Many companies struggle with that, but I think uh, it's the sign of a really good long term stable company. Other than having a very narrow portfolio of things that you do, that you mm-hmm. charge, a high I do margin think for. that's the real. And I love Matt Ray. Love to hear your your take on this. But the one advantage of Amazon that I think is maybe insurmountable is because they're building AWS so much for their own need. Right. That I think even though it's crazy, they have ten projects that do the same thing. It's usually based in a really important need like some group in amazon needed it right and is going to use it and is going to make sure it works and that is i think an advantage that few if any other cloud provider really has like i think google has sort of like you know like you're saying they clearly do a lot on the search side for it but i don't think you know they don't have that kind of retailing building websites launching lots of new businesses that's like kind of constantly feeding the requirements they i think have to go out in this case be more traditional go talk to customers like snap and go talk to other people and decide what they're going to build and there's merits to both but that advantage of amazon sort of always kind of being the the people really having if you will like a built-in uh, focus group um i just think that's a huge advantage in building out this cloud stuff that like i said no one else really has in my opinion and, and- yeah, and, and that heter- that internal heterogeneity that Amazon has, where you know they've got the the tension between the teams, they have lots of different ways of doing things. That you know that as a as an internal customer, that that gets exposed in their external offerings. You know, you have lots of different choices because inside of Amazon they have lots of different choices, and Google has um, a lot more. Uh, rigidity about you know this is the google way you will deploy things to you know borg or um you know kubernetes now and this is the way we do things at google and so google's got a lot more um you know conformity and how they they deploy their stuff and 
you know, that surface. And and when you have a customer like Snapchat who, you know, is 10% of your revenue, you're going to do things to service them specifically. Yeah, definitely. Without a doubt. So, yeah, if everyone wants new features in Google Cloud, I think you should take a little snap. Take a little snap <laughs> and share it. I think that's the way to get your, your voice heard there. <laughs> well, let's do a little mid-roll, and then we'll get, we'll get to the rest of the show. So I, I, I have a few items this week. One, if you wanted the discount code for DevOps Day Charlotte, you should have turned into the episode about senior citizens walking dogs. So that's over. That was great. I was there. If, I, I keep wanting to say last week, but I was here earlier. I was there uh, earlier this week. It's very nice. So some people came up and said they listened to this show. So, so that's good because uh, that makes me feel nice. I'm sure it makes you guys feel all tingly. Like get a little, get a little stuff going on in your yogurt. I don't know what the hell that means. Um, and uh, <laughs> now I haven't gotten the discount code for it yet, but I've been I've been lining up a media sponsorship for DevOps Days Baltimore. As as Brandon knows, the best DevOps Day show in New England. Right, you can go see the the, the leaves changing <laughs> colors, like all those those covered bridges. It'll remind you of a, yep. the first part of a Stephen King movie. Wonderful place, Baltimore. You know, I actually finished <laughs> listening to a uh, to to a biography of, of H. L. Lincoln. Oh, God. And, and who? Hey, for everyone in Australia, just right, quick sign. Everyone in Australia, Baltimore's in Maryland, not in Maine. But keep going. Keep going. <laughs> I, but 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 I remember the covered bridges from The Wire. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It was it was the covered bridges of The Wire County. I think uh, is how it went. Anyways, uh, I, I did I did I did listen to finish listening to a biography of H. L. Mencken, and and it made it made the Baltimore of his day sound really fun. So. It was uh, it was nice. It's it good stuff. Anyways, uh, I'm lining up a media sponsorship for that, so hopefully by next time we'll have a code for it. But you should go there. It's March seventh and eighth. Pivotal will be sponsoring it. Blah blah blah. But DevOps stays Baltimore. Looks like it'll be good. And then uh, just two more things. Uh, well, I'll let Matt Ray get in here after this next one. But so I'm going to be speaking at the Austin Cloud Native Meetup, which I believe is uh, February 22nd in the evening. You can uh, come see me talk there. If you just search for Austin Cloud Meetup, you'll find it. And I'll put a link in the show notes. What do you got for us, Matt Ray? Uh, next week, I'm going to be at Microsoft Ignite Australia. Um, just uh, We'll have a booth. We have a talk. Um, I'm giving uh, a booth talk as well. Um, come say hi, and uh, there'll be a bunch of chef folks there. Uh, I've got some other stuff coming up that is uh, not on the calendar yet, but I'll be in Melbourne in March for uh, DevOps Melbourne for a meetup uh, presenting there. Um, yeah, that's that's what I got so far, and uh, looks like I'll be at ChefConf in uh, in May in Austin. So I'll be sure to see folks there. Um, Registration is open. Uh, we're still having uh, early registration. I need to find us a, a discount code for the show, so we can you know pass that on to the the listeners. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, corrections. Um, I was told last week that I mispronounced uh, the the native fish. It's barramundi. So barramundi. thank you for all of our listeners who who sent me corrections. Um, be sure to go to YouTube and search for. Uh, your favorite word plus pronunciation. I did not realize that this is a genre mm. of of things. Um, you can find people just saying words on YouTube that you get the pronunciation right. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, you know, you can you can do a little like Riker googling. Was Baltimore actually in Maine? You, you should you should for that. <laughs> no, no, it's not. 
So, uh, yeah, yeah. I think, I think it, it'll be nice if we have all these conferences in Austin, like Oscon's here. It'll, it'll be good stuff. So the only other thing I want to throw out, uh-huh. we, we just, uh, we just published a, um, uh, we at Pivotal published a paper going over why it's better to buy a Pivotal Cloud Foundry than build your own. And just to give you the short version of it, it's like for $7 million a year, not including chunky coconut water and scooters and t-shirts. That's just staff overhead. You can have your own platform if you want to build it and manage it on your own. Or, you know, you could, you could not do that and instead write software. So there's this great new feature at fireside.fm where we host the podcast called redirects. So check this out. You can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash DIY platform and it'll forward you off to the paper. So uh, I'll put that in the show notes, but check out that paper. It's fun. And you know, <laughs> it's good stuff. So, uh, yeah, the, the next up, I was here. We had, you had the correction. That's good. How do you say it, Matt Ray? Barramundi? Barramundi. Also, I want to recommend, You're welcome. <laughs> I want to, I want to recommend a, uh, I think it was, uh, your, your wife put this on her blog. There's a good post about the, uh, the humor that Australians allow themselves to have about old people. And, and I think it, it has some fantastic proof points. <laughs> My favorite one, which it took me a while to remember was, uh, so you got a museum. I'm kind of ruining the content, but you should go check it out. You got a museum and they do some sort of, um, they go out to retirement homes or uh, given, <laughs> given what your wife said, they might be called like the death waiting line with Australian humor, <laughs> but they, they go, they go to retirement homes and they have programs such as fossils for fossils, fossils for fossils. <laughs> <laughs> oh, delightful. I, I feel like more and more yeah. I should probably move to Australia. This seems like a highly yeah, compatible it's... set of people. Oh, it's delightful. I, I, you know, I love Australia and its humor. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other, the other uh, program they have is Dead Stuffed Things. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And they have. So we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, so good. So speaking of reasons why you want to might want to move to Australia now. This was just like a casual aside, kind of like the casual aside, uh, like I'll destroy that person's career, which is that's just that's just really nice. Good move. Uh, anyways, I, I was I noticed this earlier in the week and I tried to go watch the five and a half hours of uh, Department of Homeland Security uh, committee stuff to find the exact quote for this. But apparently our August secretary of uh, of the DHS, the Department of Homeland Security, and this has come up before, but was suggesting that one of the things we we friendly welcoming just totally uh, fun Americans might want want to consider doing is when you want to cross into the border, uh, you would be required to give us your passwords for your social media accounts. And and I'm guessing this, you know, this might be a problem with Slack because it might be like 50 passwords and accounts you have to give people to log into all your Slack channels. But I guess the notion was that like, we should be able to like read all of your stuff online and have your passwords uh, when, when you come into the border. Now, as I've been tweeting throughout the week, I have a lot of thoughts on this. Well, I shouldn't say I have a lot, but I have I have a few thoughts that are very in depth. Uh, but but uh, what do you guys think? Good idea, bad idea. Um, <laughs> See, Brandon's al- Brandon's always so telling I, me I think, that I, I need to be snappy. Uh... So I'm just good idea, bad idea. What's going on? <laughs> I think uh, I think we could definitely say bad idea there, right? Yeah. Uh, very bad idea. But it's more I, I, like the social media boogeyman. Like, why, uh, you know, why there's so much emphasis on like social media and like looking at your passwords or looking what people have. It's like, I don't know. Given all the other issues that are going on, it, it seems 
trivial to like what, the things that people should be concerned about. Yeah, I, I, I like I like the as as they like to say the the I don't know what the equivalent of a meme phrase is because that's not accurate. But the 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 phrase that I see people using nowadays is let's not assume they're doing three dimensional chess. So like the three dimensional chess strategy, someone was tweeting back to me is like. Does this mean that they actually can't hack into our stuff or is this a head fake to make us think they can't hack into our stuff, right? Because it's sort mm-hmm. of like, why do you need the passwords when you just got all them NSA people who can hack into whatever <laughs> they want? But it is like, like, again, that's yeah. some three-dimensional chess thinking. You know what you got to do is hang out on the Google Plus and they'll never find you. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Zing! That's what well, they call this a callback right thing. there. I was going to say, this whole thing reminds me of the, uh, I think we talked about it briefly on the show before, about, you know, there, again, like, the media loves to write up about these things, about, like, Amazon, Alexa listening to you, and there's some murder case, potentially, where Alexa may or may not be able to confirm, like, who was home, or at least commands. But really, the interesting thing there, well, <laughs> as I think I mentioned before, was the actual water usage is the thing that was going to, like, basically uh, convict this guy, was there was an immense amount of water usage where the guy was basically washing down the evidence. Ah. And, but, like, that, that sort of wasn't written about. But it's like, hey, people have been tracking water usage, like, I don't know, since, like, 1920 or something, right? Like, and, like, that's the important stuff. Like, that's what's being used. But somehow... Uh, like technology, the fact that it's new, the fact that it like we don't quite understand it is what gets written about. But it really, in this yeah. case, has no bearing on you know. It's again, it's this old, older technology and this older data that's well, been out for a long time. It's what's really important. And the same thing goes on here. It's like whatever their social media stuff isn't probably nearly as important as just looking at like what flights they were on, right? Where yeah. they've lived. Like all of this stuff's been around for you know a long, long time. But that's I mean, water usage is metadata. That is, you know, you don't know exactly what's going down the drain, but you know something's going down the drain. Yeah, I, re- <laughs> I remember that Matlock episode where the aqueducts were how, how they got. <laughs> the aqueducts, they, they that's what out. happened. I love, that, I love that really Matlock. slick private investigator he always had. That guy was my favorite. He was, he was a good, good character. In, uh, you remember that show that Dick Van Dyke also had where uh, he was a doctor and it was like diagnosis murder? I looked that up the other day. Diagnosis that, murder. Yeah. yeah, that 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 thing ran for six seasons. Like, what was going on? I mean, it's just crazy. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Talk about three dimensional. Speaking of chess. crazy yeah. and three dimensional chess. So, uh, shout back to I guess last week's episode. Um, we talked about Rethink DB, mm, and yeah. they going out of business. Yeah, they they had a blog post about how. Um, you know, open source is not a business model, and they were having a hard time, you know, fitting their database, uh, you know, their open source database into the market versus you know cloud competitors and that stuff. Uh, nice follow up this week. The the cloud native, uh, what's CNCF stand for? Cloud Native Computing Foundation. I'm supposed to know um, that professionally, they, but I don't. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think Abby's going to get on your case now. Mm. Um, yeah, I think uh, so. So the CNCF they bought RethinkDB's code, um, they which is kind of a, a new thing for foundations. Uh, you know, traditionally they've you know they've provide they've hired people and done marketing and you know they've provided infrastructure around projects, but now the CNCF has actually bought uh, an open source code base. 
from a, a company in the midst of going, you know, shutting down, going bankrupt or whatever, and they've donated it to the Linux Foundation uh, and changed the licensing. So, you know, Th RethinkDB had the the classic, uh, sorry, uh, the open core business model where you know they license it AGPL v3, so nobody else can make money with it. Um, and uh, it's been relicensed to the Apache, uh, where everybody can make money with it, and uh, uh, that's that's different. I mean, that that's the first time I think anything like that's happened. That's interesting. Um, why, why do you so, think they did it? Uh, you know, I, Rethink DB was pretty popular. Um, it's just you know, it, it would. I mean, it, it's a popular open source project that. Uh, they just could make a business out of it, but right. you know they didn't want the code to to you know be lost um, forever. And I and I think they got it cheap. I think they got it like for thirty k or something like that. Uh, and but I think that you yeah. know what we have here is I think we're finally stumbling onto like the legitimate open uh, source business model, which should be this, right? Like all these big companies donate some money to these foundations, right? Then the guys that want to build open source software, one. Do not take venture capital. Do not take millions of dollars in venture capital. Take a tiny bit of money, get yourself your product going, and build yourself a big community. Then go to the foundation, right, once it gets big enough, and say, hey, instead of us trying to, like, make a business out of this, could we sell this back to you for some – maybe it's not 30 k Maybe it's more like a million dollars. But they could get some money, and they can continue to work on the project and make it great. Um, and that way, you're actually getting the software out there without trying to like crucify yourself um, over <laughs> venture capital uh, and you know dying the slow death that we all know. So I think it's actually a, an interesting variation to maybe an old business. Well, I mean that's that's got to be a hard pitch to raise that that angel fund saying you know hey we're going to go start this open source project and we're going to sell out to an open source foundation. <laughs> but you know, I mean, but this is, I think if you find, but this is why I think to your angel points, like I, you clearly have to find the right set of angel investors, right? The people right. or, or just people that, you know, cause we all, we kind of talk about like Linux is, the, is probably the best example. Like big corporations tend to have a huge benefit from these, these open uh, source projects. So, you know, for Google or Microsoft or, you know, other companies, right. Maybe they would be able to put a little bit of money right towards development of an open source project they think is interesting, kind of knowing the outcome is everyone gets it, right? Like it just seems and I guess it's more about the motivation of the developer. Like this is where you hear lots of conflicting stories. But like a lot of times, like I think developers are just trying to get their their software out there. And they they don't necessarily if you're going for the big payday, this isn't the right way to go. But if you're going for like I want to get this thing out there, I think there's a nice model here, right? Like that that could actually work. Um, I don't yeah. know. It'd be interesting I'm, for someone I'm, to try I'm, it. Though. I'm sure you don't go to like, uh, like go, what's the dude's name? Go pitch Fenton at benchmark, like Brandon's like small peanuts strategy. But like, you know, I, I think, I think this gets to a point of like a lot of the, the conversation we have around investing stuff is like, uh, what if you're a $20 million company? <laughs> right. And, and like you were looking for a way basically to, uh, like something between a lifestyle business and like a business, right? Like you're just looking to fund something that's like not bonkers and uh, you want to work on that. And, and I, and I think, I think that the, the negative side of not having that option is that like 
there's a lot of technology that like should exist, but isn't going to make a lot of money, which I'm sure there's some sort right. of economist out there is like, oh, my God, you're going to cause the singularity by spouting such paradoxes out loud. But like, uh, you know, I mean, that seems legit that like there's lots of functionality you need in the world that like isn't like isn't a big profit maker. Well, I mean, maybe maybe <laughs> uh, put putting, you know doing strategy for these cloud foundations, um, you know, maybe they need somebody doing not M and a, but like business development strategy for them to say, Hey, mm. you know, this is something we need. This is something that we would fund. And it almost becomes kind of like, uh, Cisco with their, their spin out, spin in companies where they're like, Hey, you know, we recognize that Cisco is slowing you down, go out and, and start up, a you know an SDN company and we'll buy you guys if we like what you do, mm. and you know so 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 maybe even you know Linux Foundation or, or whoever um, becomes the the angel investor. Yeah, no, I think it really it would just be interesting for some people to to try to put that forward because I, mean, I come back to you know, I think Kote, you and I. I think it was what was the guy's name? Open NMS. What was that guy's name that we talked to? Taurus Balrog. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Right. He was a very he had a very I just use him as the example of like a very purist view of I don't think this is he would take this as a uh um a uh, bad characterization. So if so if so, I apologize. But I think he was very much a purist open source, right? Like it should yeah. be open source, everyone should have it open source, right? And it's like like if you have that mindset, and I've met other people, I'm just he's the one that came to mind that have that same mindset. It's like if you have that mindset, you usually are sort of saying that, hey, I'm not going to make 200 million dollars. So I think if you went into it with that mindset, and we're like, hey, I want a really good paying job out of this, and a path to get this out, right, is a foundation who would do like a you know a uh, a small maybe seven digits acquisition. Or maybe even less, but that would you know satisfy that need. So and, and I mean, it's just another NMS, idea. Yeah, and the, and the open NMS guys have been at that for a while. So you know, I, I don't believe they ever took any VC, and I know that they've been around for probably fifteen years. Um, and you know, they've probably got you know ten, fifteen employees or something like that. But you know, they make a good business out of it. They've got a steady customer base. They're you know, they put out high quality software year after year and you know that's that's what they do um and, and to that end uh last last week two weeks ago um sensu uh raised some vc um and it looks like they're going down that same path you know it's a open source monitoring project um that started at uh i don't even know what sonian does email you know bulk email or something like that um so this company, Sonian, needed to solve their monitoring problem, and they wrote a project, got open-sourced. Uh, the lead developer, you know, he left and uh, eventually got hired up by a consulting company uh, called Heavywater that was, you know, they were doing consulting around open-source projects. And, you know, they slowly turned that into the focus of their business uh, to the point where, you know, they, they raised uh, $2.5 million in VC, for open source monitoring, so you know the the circle circle continues, um, circle and they shut light, down. My friends, it, yeah, it looks like they, they, they are going the. Uh, oh my gosh, they even have the old Senso Core, Senso Enterprise. God bless <laughs> people. God bless the kids yeah. today. The kids today, they just they just don't read their history. But um, well, you know, if 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 you can. All right. Well, they're I in mean, for two point five million. So that means that somebody wants twenty five million back, at least right now, and it's like so. 
the question for is it no that's not uh i'm trying to think the question for the founder here is are you going for the app d exit right you're going big or are you just want to like make the world of monitoring a little bit better and you'd be satisfied with a much smaller exit because if you're going the app d right there's many companies many some of which i've even worked for that have fallen off that path and only a few get to that the big the big exit most of them just you know fall, uh, fall away so so, so it, yeah, it looks, I mean, it looks um, like it's uh, fifty dollars a month oh, for a node that oh you monitor. So are, are they? Gosh, are they? Are they? Are they uh, let's just do a little little. Are they like a SaaS based thing, or is it on premise, or what do they? What do they got going on here? Uh, I think it's on prem. Oh, nice. Excuse, huh. yeah, yeah. Real concerned about these guys. Oh, oh man, just I'm <laughs> just that, Sensu Core, I... Sensu Enterprise. That right there, my friend. That but uh, always free too. Who who will forget this? Always free, free forever. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And then they got the checkbox. This is also the great thing. This is the great paradox. You know what we're gonna do, guys? We're gonna have a list of features here, and we're gonna have some are gonna be for free, and some are gonna be in enterprise. And everyone will just want the enterprise features. Let me tell you, right now they're they're having hours and hours of meetings discussing like what should be free and what shouldn't be. No one can agree on that. The sales guys don't want anything to be free. The developers want everything to be free. And it's just amazing how many meetings that are going on um, with them just fighting over this. And I think they've already, and then of course the LDAP integration. The LDAP integration is always paid. No one ever gives that away for free. I don't know why. We, get, but we, we give it away. You do? Thank God. At least Chef finally got it right. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> it's like... You know, look at some of this stuff. Metrics translation. Oh gosh, can't wait to get that. What does that even mean? Well, oh, I see. You're, really, you're, looking, be, you're looking at the compare chart. There should here. be an intervention. There should. I. I need to. I'm, where are these people located? I'm going. We need to fly out there. Intervention. <laughs> I'm going to save them about four years of pain. Right. This yeah. is. This is not good. Now, this now, feature matrix, now not Brandon, good at all, now Brandon, as, as Contact I, routing, I bet you nobody on this call can define what that is. Oh, as, awful, as, as awful I mentioned earlier this week, I was, in, I was in DevOps Day Charlotte, and uh, the first – I gave the second day keynote. Uh, the first keynote was given by Charity Majors. I had never seen her uh, – that's her name, right, Matt Ray? Did I get that right? Should I need to go look up yeah, how to yeah, pronounce Charity. that? Yeah, yeah, uh, so, so, uh, she gave a great, uh, a great talk, which at the first I was like, uh, you know, the talk is something like, you know, not another monitoring talk. And I was like, oh my God, it's another monitoring talk. Uh, but like the, the upshot of her talk was actually pretty good. It was like, no one knows what the fuck monitoring is. Right. Which, which I think, I think is one of the points you were just making, which I think is incredibly accurate. It's just like, when you look at it, we really haven't done a good job, uh, doing anything here. Right. And, you know, so I, I, I subtweeted out a snarky thing like maybe one day we'll evolve past SNMP and that allows me to also put out all my SNMP puns. Uh, but, you know, how annoying is it? I'm waiting for oh, a laugh. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Oh. Oh, <laughs> anyway, this one, this is maybe my final comment on Sensu. <laughs> but, anyways, I, I think, just have I to say they legitimately put in bold single pane of glass, single pane of glass. That, ah. Oh. There may be no greater cliche in the world of enterprise software than that single that phrase right yeah. there. So that is that is you know clearly what, it, clearly what they need, Brandon, is they need someone the like font you is, this. I need you on the font, Matt, right? Because the font is even it, the font is even bothering multiple here. fonts. They, they, but they, but they, they, they need they, they need, need someone like you, Brandon, to come be like a counselor to them to help them out, basically to uh, be a mom yeah. for them. May, yeah, may, this maybe is, this is a I lot. Think, of, go ahead, Brandon. I think they're hiring. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, no but I you know, the, the uh, I think I, I, think, guys, I think we've we've found your DevOps days talk. 
Brandon. We found it, which is just like me just 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 giving a, a market review of uh, Sensu. I'm sure they. I, I think I think let me let me work on the title. Really we can we can it. workshop a little abstract here in real time, right? Like I, I think I'm going to call it uh, "Watch Brandon Have a Meltdown About Monitoring." <laughs> I think I think it's I think, I think that basically is it would be good. It'll, it'll be like I'll tell you be, this: there will be no slides. I don't need any slide at all. That for, okay, be, that's that's the first line of like a three line abstract. For, first, first line: there will be no slides. Period. Brandon Wichard has worked in and out of monitoring for well over twenty years in successful and unsuccessful companies. His firm belief is that monitoring is fucked. Come to his talk. <laughs> <laughs> Or, or wait, let me let me change let me change the last sentence. Come to this session to learn why your monitoring startup is fucked. That, happy to do that. That I can do. <laughs> we'll do a webinar. Yeah. I, <laughs> do a webinar. Be a, be a great webinar. <laughs> I think, and as instead of slides in the background, we'll play on repeat that scene where that guy's dancing in the Big Lebowski. Well, that that'll be what <laughs> what we'll play. That would be good. That would be great. Ah, uh, wow. Well, I mean, I you know. It, it, one 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 point in defense of of the Sensu guys is you know they've been doing open source businesses for a while. So what they do with that two and a half million and what the return on investment is that's the question. And so you know maybe they want to just be good stewards and you know have a healthy business like the Open NMS guys. You know more power to them because you know they do have a good user base already. It is a, a healthy open source project with a lot of maintainers you know or contributors not working there. But uh, we shall see. Yeah. Well, I, I, th- I think the, the test of a small round like this on such a uh, highly speculative thing is like over the next six to 12 months, how much more money do they get, if, if any, and who are the investors? And that's a uh, – and then customer traction and stuff because, you know, every now and then uh, a black swan of monitoring comes along. And, uh, you know, I think s and swallowed up by Cisco. Yeah, s and V3 was a big event in the industry. So – was hey and i feel like we should say listen because i feel like i'm taking a lot of shots at them and as i read more i want to say more but i said i wouldn't uh (laughs) i i just i just say hey listen we should invite them on the show listen if we got it wrong if you want to come on and tell me why i'm wrong and you have it figured out you you, whoever they are you must know them out right they are free to come on and or send us an email i I will certainly read it and and talk about it again if if we missed it if you know if i have it all wrong tell me i have it all wrong i'm okay with that yeah you know mysteriously they don't have a link that we use, maybe they don't do this anymore at Stardust, but remember they used to always be like the team. Like they don't. Have I know a, I can't you know, find it either. I was just looking here. I can. I'm having the same uh, difficulty. So now we just criticize the website too. So that's good. <laughs> good. We should. We should move on. <laughs> well, uh, why don't why don't we wrap up as we usually do with recommendations? How about let me let me. I'm going to give you a little bit of time to uh, calm down, Brandon. Think think back to those the 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 brown leaves, those covered bridges up in Baltimore, kind of like the you know the, the quaint lobsters you would eat. Just those maybe maybe like Edgar Allan Poe is walking around, stumbling around on a dock. He keels over and dies. Whatever the happy place is. For a Baltimore Who makes person, better lobster good. rolls. <laughs> <laughs> so, Matt Ray, what do you have to recommend for, yes. for us this week? Well, um, you know, I, I've gotten a chance to uh, to talk about uh, how much I'm enjoying Australia. I am, but one of my favorite things right now is our local newspaper. Um, 
we have uh, the Manly Daily newspaper that I, I've gone by there. Um, best I could tell, it's probably two people. <laughs> uh, but they, we get a free daily newspaper, uh, probably 16 pages. Um, and uh, all the article, you know, the, the crime watch is always entertaining because uh, it has things like, you know, a woman left her purse un- unattended at a restaurant and it was stolen. You know, and that turns into like four paragraphs of of uh, content. Mm. Um, but they had an article the other day about uh, somebody being um, high on uh, crystal meth <laughs> and going into a karate kid pose and trying to like you know crank kick the police. And the captions uh, are so so good. I'll just go go read it. Uh, so snarky. And and Ed shows up. Your mailbox, and you're like, this is a wonderful gift. It's like, like printed out, a, you know, some 3D. Shit? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Well, not printed. I mean, not 3D, but uh, you know, 2D. It's it's a newspaper. <laughs> yeah. Well, let, let me but, just let, yeah. let me just read one caption for this. When officers arrived, they allegedly found the 36 year old man completely naked and standing with his muscles tensed in the crane karate position, made famous in the 1984 <laughs> film The Karate Kid. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and and every article is like that. You know, it's just like somebody has a good sense of humor and uh, love love my my manly daily. Mm. Um, yeah, and uh, that's 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 my primary pick. Uh, I was still loving uh, uh, Return of the Jewels new album, and uh, they were on uh, NPR Run in the, the tiny Jewels, desk concert. Fine. You, I I know you know what it is. Oh God, RTK. There you go. Yes. So. Uh, that's, that's my picks. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, those are good. Well, uh, so I've got a couple of picks, both from the same thing. <clears throat> so I, you know, I, I haven't figured out why the Ezra Klein show, why it takes them like two weeks. I mean, I do this myself sometimes, but they'll put the episode in the feed and then it takes like two weeks to have official show notes. So if you go to the show notes, you'll have to go to the overcast link to it, but just, you should subscribe to that podcast anyways, the Ezra Klein's podcast. And, uh, he had an interview with Kara Swisher of, uh, Tech news, world fame, all sorts of stuff. And it was, uh, you know, not that I thought it would be a terrible interview, but I liked it a lot more than I thought it would be. It's, 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 it's kind of the hallmark of his interview style where he, he not only like gets a good biography and kind of history of people working in their industry, but also gets some tips from them. And it was just kind of like a delightful interview. I think, I think as a, uh, to reference JJ yet again, as, as a fellow recovering introvert who figures out tricks to do it, she clearly is not an introvert. But it was interesting to hear like, um, like a lot of kind of inspirational talk from her that was sort of like, you should just tell people what you think and be confident. Like, I think, I think if you were to go look up imposter syndrome and see what the opposite of that was, Kara Swisher would be over there. So like, it's, it's, it's a good sort of like motivation to like be proud and confident in like the perfect knowledge that you, and abilities that you have about things. Also, as a side recommendation, I'd forgotten about this until someone mentioned it, but he has another good interview with whoever the guy is who wrote the Hillbilly Elegy. And it's kind of tragic that this guy will forever be known as the guy who wrote the Hillbilly Elegy, but whatever. And and it's it's a good interview, one, because, you know, it goes over all the, uh, you know, I'm kind of sick of listening to hear the over and over again that this Trump guy's a lunatic stuff. It's sort of like we get it. I got I'll, I'll read my 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 Nate Silver and my Weeds podcast every week, but I don't. And I, Brandon can listen to his Pod Save America stuff, but like you got to limit yourself, or you just go fucking crazy. But so there's a bit of discussion about that because I think the the thing with our lunatic in chief is always like, who the fuck are these people who voted for him? And I think uh, I think this guy gives a pretty good 
unintentional, as he says, overview of, of, of a slice of that. And it's also fun to have someone um, in, in the liberal podcasting sphere who, although he kind of smooths it over, is clearly like not exactly a liberal thinking person. So it's fun to see them kind of uh, debate that stuff. So in summary, subscribe to the Ezra Klein show and listen to the Kara Swisher thing and the Hillbilly one. And my advice on that episode is like every now and then there'll be some like, you know, some chef from D.C. Just delete that one. There's there's a lot of interviews. I, I know how the pipeline goes for stuff like this is like you probably get pitched a lot of things and you pick some that are interesting. You do the same thing for like fresh air. It's just like I don't need to hear about fucking show tunes again as much as I like them. Like you just you just <laughs> delete the ones that you don't want and, uh, you know, listen to the good ones. How about yourself, Brandon? Well, I'll just I'll plug uh, uh, just second your Ezra Klein recommendation. And that Hillbilly one is really, really good. I think everybody um, would be interested in listening to that one. So good, good selections there. Uh, so a couple things. One, uh, may, maybe uh, maybe the elections got you down. Maybe not. Maybe uh, you reevaluated a monitoring startup and that like kind of got you fired up. So you need to clear your head a little bit. And if you do, I would recommend going skiing in solitude, Utah. My family and I went this past weekend and it was fantastic. It's a smaller resort kind of on the front side, very close to Salt Lake city, but it's very easy to get to. It's very family friendly. We are, my son went to ski school and uh, never skied and he came away, had a great time with skiing. My wife, not a big skier. She did some ski school and enjoyed it. And, uh, I got to do a lot of skiing with some friends. So highly recommend solitude. It's a great place. Get away from it. Unplug, enjoy the mountains. And then if you want to, uh, I like Cote have, um, been evaluating my own media diet a little bit. And I, I was trying to figure out like a podcast that, that maybe doesn't go so much into the, the, uh, you know, our president and exactly what he is doing poorly. And the one that I came across that, um, is obviously done by a very small newspaper you've never heard of it called the New York Times. It's called The Daily, and uh, it's about a 20-minute podcast, really well-produced, that pretty much takes on the like one of the main issues of the day uh, and goes into – does some nice interviews and kind of like that, if you will, it's a very digestible format of just like what's up, what's the news, what do you need to know um, in a – I wouldn't say not a – uh, not, I guess in the New York Times style, where it's sort of very factual, very quick, and it's a good way to stay up on it, but maybe doesn't have some of the emotion of the other ones. So, so I like it because you can kind of like dive in and out of it. You want to just just the news, listen to the daily. You want to like commiserate. There's uh, obviously some longer podcasts you can listen to to do that. So, go skiing, and when you when you want to hear the news, listen to the daily. Mm. That's it. Yeah, I, you know, I've never been skiing. I should do that one day before I'm too old. I assume you can be too old to ski. I don't know, sleigh bells ringing or something. Well, as always, this has been Software Defined Talk, where you can find us at softwaredefinedtalk.com, which is spelled as it sounds with no spaces because they don't allow spaces on the internet. You got to, uh, that just doesn't work in URLs. Uh, if you want to see the show notes for this episode, which you should really look at the show notes if you never do, they're very detailed. And I spend a lot of time converting them to Markdown because certain people don't know, <laughs> don't know how to use that. So, you know, it's, oh. there's, there's a lot of sweat and energy I put in there. But let me tell you, the, the links that Matt Ray, occasionally me, and one or two times in the sp- lifespan of this, ep- this, this, <laughs> this, this thing that Brandon has collected are phenomenal. Lots of good things we don't go over, things like that. 
you should go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 87. Very simple. Uh, you know, I, I kid. Everyone contributes in their own special way. We've got uh, Ricardo in com- comparative advantage. We do what we're good at and allow other people to do the same. Some people make wool. Some people make wine. That's how it sorts out. So with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Bye.